0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online
1: at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church.
0: All right. Good morning. My name is Bianca Mattern, and today's scripture is going to be in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 9. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Bianca, for reading our text this morning. If you do have your Bibles, you can go there to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, For those of you that are new, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here at Story City, uh, and I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Hey, I get to start this morning uh, by making a really exciting announcement again. It was already made, but uh, last week after a meeting, our partners here at Story City voted unanimously... Uh, to bring Jared Osselier on board as the next lead pastor of Story City Church. We're so thankful for the role our partners played in that, and for God's clear leading for our church, and for Jared and his wife Monique coming on board. Uh, looking forward to the next season with them. want to encourage you to join us next Sunday in person at Pickwick Gardens in Burbank at 10 a.m. Jared will be starting us into a sermon series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount that morning, and it'll be a great chance to be together again at Pickwick Gardens next Sunday at 10 AM. So uh, with Jared starting next week as our newly pastor, this becomes an interesting morning because it's uh, the last chance we will gather in this form before the Lord brings a new season to bear on our church uh, through Jared's leadership. And so I thought it would be fitting this morning uh, to just take a look back at some of the things God has done here at Story City over the last six to six and a half years and use that as kind of a catalyst to look forward to Help us approach and think well about the future and what God wants to do in our church as we move forward. Uh, So it's a bit of a unique morning, but if you're new to Story City, just feeling us out, getting to know us, I want to encourage you to use this as a morning just to to hear a bit of our heart, a bit of our journey about who we are, and hopefully get some clarity as well about where we're headed. Um, So we'll be in Joshua chapter 1, and a little context here, at the center of the Old Testament, especially in the beginning, is the story of God making a covenant through Abraham with the nation of Israel. And, and his covenant was, was that he would establish them and make them great. And, and Israel starts this journey in slavery in Egypt, and God leads them through his miraculous power to the promised land of Canaan. And at the point we join up with this narrative today in Joshua, Moses, who God used to begin this pilgrimage, has just died after 40 years of leading the Israelites through wandering in the desert in pursuit of the promised land. So Moses Moses has just died, and God commissions Joshua. He says, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. You're going to lead my people. And the next step we're going to take is literally 40 years in waiting, we're going to do this. We're going to go into Canaan. We're going to go into the promised land, and you're going to take the land. And what we see here is an emphasis on God's ultimate leadership of his people through men like Moses and Joshua. God always leads his church through human beings. That's what he does. He leads his people through human leaders. But we see here that all all human leadership, all spiritual leadership, is ultimately, first and foremost, an act of following, of being led. Moses and Joshua are being led by God as they lead. And that's so important for us to see as a church right now because we recognize in a season of transition as God brings us a new pastor, a new leader, God is still and always has been the one leading our church. And God is the highest seat and the highest voice. But as we look at this text, I, I really quickly want to help us to look at it with a healthy hermeneutic, which is a fancy word that uh, Bible people like to use for how we interpret the Bible. I want to help us interpret this text well. Um, the words we read today are God speaking through Moses, uh, God speaking to Joshua, I'm sorry, in a specific situation at a specific time with specific instructions for his needs in that moment. So what we need to avoid as we look to this text this morning is taking his instructions too literally to where we make them prescriptive to our situation Too much? So for instance, this text is going to say, uh, God's going to say to Joshua, everywhere your feet touch, I've given that to you. So terrible idea based on this sermon is to hear that and go break the lease on your apartment and tour a $5,000, $5 million mansion in Malibu with your feet really close together saying God's given me this land. That's not the right kind of interpretation. That's a poor hermeneutic for this text. What we can do, though, the right kind of questions that we can ask of this text are this. What is this text revealing about the character of God? Who is this text showing us God is? Uh, what is this text showing us about how God has, since the very beginning, led his people? What is this text showing us about what people have gotten right in following God and how things have gone well for them and what people have gotten wrong about following God and how things have not gone well for them? What can we learn from that? How can that bear its weight down on us in this moment and the unique situations we are facing. So we're looking for principles here. We're looking for God's character revealed. And lastly, I just want to say this. The bulk of the application that I felt led to draw us towards this morning is communal in nature. It's, It's for us as a church. But the encouragement I take is that I know the Holy Spirit is ultimately the one who illustrates and applies his word to our hearts. And there's going to be truth that he would apply to us individually as well. It's a great freedom as a preacher to remember that the Holy Spirit is the one who's responsible to teach us and apply his words to our heart and affect change. So I want to I do this this way. I want to draw two principles about God from this text and two principles for us as his followers from this text. And I want to call them God's jobs and our jobs, things God does, things God calls us to do. So first, God's job. God's first job we see in this text is making a way for us. Making a way for his people. That's God's job. Joshua 1, 1 through 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, his assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. So God comes to Joshua and here's his first instruction to Israel through Joshua. Arise, get up. It's time to do something. And here's what that thing is. There, you're going to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. Now, okay, that's, that's easy to read. That's hard, easier said than done though. Here, here's actually what was going on here. The Jordan River was over a hundred feet wide. Additionally, It was harvest season, which we read in Joshua 3.15 was the season where that river would have been flooded over its banks, a muddy, massive river to cross. On top of that, the nation of Israel, it's not like some small nuclear family. We're we're looking at hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children with all of their belongings, all of their possessions. On top of that, the Ark of the Covenant of God, which has to be handled with great care according to God's instructions. Crossing the river is not easy. Now, if Joshua was looking for a reason here to push back on God or question God or doubt God a little bit, he wouldn't have had to try too hard. Um, Lord, if I may, the river's flooded right now. It's deep. It's wide. We're hundreds of thousand people. Maybe we could just uh, give it a little bit time, build some boats. Or uh, maybe we should just wait it out till the harvest season's over and the flooding goes down. It'll be a little easier then. This isn't the best time to march forward. It's not the easiest way to march forward. But what God says in verse 2 here is that he is giving them the land. Present tense. Present tense. I am doing this. I'm giving you the land. It's already yours. I've already made the way. Don't question. Trust and step forward in obedience to what I'm saying. And here's what's awesome. What we're going to see is that by walking in the unlikely way that God has made, that contradicts their own wisdom, I'm sure, What Israel is going to get to be participants in is a miracle. They're going to get to be participants in a miracle. Whatever the circumstances we're facing as God's people in our individual lives or as a body, as his church, when God calls us to move, when God calls his people to move, he's already made the way. It's already done. It's something he is actively doing. And here's what's awesome. When you respond in faith, when God calls you into unlikely painful obedience, your faith starts multiplying on top of itself as you see that God is faithful to his word to make a way for you. Here's a spiritual process. Trust God with hard, unlikely circumstances. Step forward in faith and obedience. See God come through on his promises and find that your faith and obedience is multiplied time and time again and stronger for the next test. When we follow God by faith, our faith is built because we see that God is always faithful to his word. That's what's going to happen here as the Israelites cross the Jordan River. But God has some very specific instructions in the book of Joshua Joshua for how they're supposed to cross this river as he makes a way for them. So according to God's instructions, here's what happens. Here's how they actually cross the river. The priests take up the Ark of the Covenant. They carry it. And God says, as soon as they step into the Jordan River, the waters are going to start standing up tall and they're gonna stop flowing a long ways away. And that's exactly what happens. The the, the priests, the Levites carry the Ark of the Covenant into the riverbed. Israel is instructed to follow a half mile behind. And as soon as the priest's feet hit the water, the text says that the water stood up and rose up in a heavy heap very far away. And as the priest stood in the riverbed with the ark until the entire nation, hundreds of thousands of people, had crossed through on dry ground, God did a miracle for his people. And the ark here symbolizes and showcases it's a visual manifestation that it was not some magical happenstance or unlikely opportunity that the water stops flowing, it is God, it is Yahweh, it is Israel's Lord making a way for his people. It is his presence that stops the flow of the water. And once, the wa- once all the people have passed through, the priests walk out, and as soon as their feet leave the riverbed, the Jordan River starts flowing again. Now, this, is a less, uh, this is a less famous story in Israel's history than the crossing of the Red Sea, but it's not a less important one. And it's very similar. See, the crossing of the Red Sea transformed Israel from slaves into a free people. But the crossing of the Jordan River transformed Israel from a wandering homeless horde into an established nation with a homeland. It was every bit as much a miracle as the Red Sea. It was every bit as much as the crossing of the Red Sea. God, making a miraculous way for his people where there was no way, God making a way. Here's an awesome promise in reality. We don't have to make a way for ourselves when there is no way. What we have to do is walk by faith, believing that God, when he's called us to step forward into unlikely circumstances, is making a way and will make a way. As I look back at six years of ministry here, in Burbank, in Granada Hills, in Los Angeles. It couldn't be more crystal clear to my heart and mind and spirit that God has been making a way for us as a church. From day one, even before, any, before Story City was a thought on Pastor Matt's heart, God had made a way for his gospel to go forward. And here's what I'd also say. If God wanted this church to fail, it would have done so a thousand times already. God has been sustaining us. God has been leading us. God has been making a way. Psalms 124 says this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Story cities say, we would have been swallowed up alive a long time ago. But God is on our side. God has been leading. Six years ago, when Pastor Matt responded by faith to a call on his heart to uproot his family from a great life in Georgia and move to California to plant a church, it was God making a way. When we were just in seed form and gathered for what I would argue were some of the most awkward core group moments and launch group moments in history in Pastor Matt's living room with 18 people counting our kids In that awkward moment, God was already making a way for his gospel. As people began to connect and disconnect, and one thing I've learned to see very clearly is that God does both. People come for a season, they disconnect at times. God is always leading in every relationship built, in every relationship severed, in every relationship that takes root anew. God is leading our church. He's making a way for us. When the AMC6, that was supposed to be our first gathering space, after we had already invested thousands of dollars in flying out consultants and getting measurements and even buying equipment, when they called us on the phone and said, I'm sorry, we can't rent to a church. And we had to relocate and move our church to the much less desirable Flappers Comedy Club, where we had to put our kids in a bar every morning with marijuana buds on the ground, Hear me, in that, God was working in that. He was making a way for his church. Through simple outreach, like outdoor movie nights at the park, like door hangers and flyers, some of which, some of you sitting here on the lawn today or at home on livestream are here because of those. Through caring for families in need, through backpack giveaways and other generosity projects, God has always been making a way to build his church for his gospel to go forward for people to hear about Jesus here in Los Angeles. Today, in this moment, in a COVID reality, meeting outdoors on live stream, in a season of transition as Pastor Jared has been led up by the Lord to take the reins and start leading this church. God is still making a way. And hear me, in the days ahead that we cannot see, God will be making a way. He will lead us forward. We can trust him for that. Our task is faith. He will be making a way for his name to be known. He will be making a way for his word to be proclaimed. He longs for people to be saved. He longs for his gospel to be proclaimed. He's gonna make a way for it. He's gonna make a way for people to be saved through Story City Church. He's gonna be, make a way for people to be discipled faithfully according to his word at Story City Church. He's going to make a way for people to be sent out and churches to be planted through Story City Church in the days ahead for his kingdom, for his name, for his glory. If we could have failed, we would have. We're walking forward in the strength of God as a church. And the list I just gave of simple ways that God's been making a way could be so much longer. I could spend my whole sermon and listing ways and specific moments where God has guided, where God has guarded, where God has protected and established our church, protecting us from Satan, protecting us from ourselves, protecting us from people who oppose the gospel. It's rarely been easy. It's always required faith. But from day one, God has made a way. And if looking back at God's past faithfulness and past provision should do anything for us as a church and for your heart in this moment of transition, it should do this. Whatever stands between our church right now and the fulfillment of the specific call and way that God has made for us for the future, God's going to continue to make a way for us. I hear all kinds of objections to this all the time, but LA's too transient. You lose 33% of your people every year. You have a new church on your hand every three years. But LA's too lost. But is too expensive. But suitable gathering space is too big of a challenge. But LA is too politically and socially volatile. But times are changing. COVID has been too devastating to the church. It'll never make it, not the way it has. Hear me, the forgotten ingredient in every single one of those statements is God. He can do it. He can make the waters stand up. He can part the Red Sea. If we will walk closely and obediently on the path that he is making for us, even when it seems unlikely, if we will trust him, God can do it. He can establish his church. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Take courage, church. Making a way for us, that's God's job. Let's not forget God. So, God makes a way for us. Secondly, God's second job, giving us growth. God is the one who grows his church. Joshua 1 3 through 4. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. God speaks to Joshua in his commission and says, this is exactly the land I'm giving you. This is how big you're going to get. The strip of land God was giving them was approximately 150 miles long by 50 miles wide, bordered on the west by the Mediterranean Sea. And when Israel crossed the Jordan River, God instructed that they be led by 40,000 men. So first the priests went with the ark, and then 40,000 men from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh followed behind in armor, full armor, ready for battle to cross the river. Now, crossing a river in armor doesn't make a lot of sense, but they trusted God with this. And this was a symbolic gesture signifying what the next step was going to be. So it's going to take faith to cross the Jordan. And when you get across the Jordan, they're entering, entering into what's called a conquest. The land wasn't just empty waiting for them. There were fortified cities, fortified strongholds that they were going to have to overcome through the power of God. And God looks at them and says, just walk with me. I got this. But it's still going to require great faith of Israel. <laughs> God calls Israel to the work of the conquest, he's already set and determined the size of their growth. He's already drawn boundary lines of how big around how big they will get. But even with the conquest ahead of them, Israel here has a knowledge that should both propel them into action and give them a calm resolve as they go. The knowledge is that God has already said. I've given you the land. This is exactly what the land is. This is how big it is. This is where you're going to live. I've set the boundaries and I've guaranteed your growth. I've given it. You know, as we look to the future of Story City, God has already set our boundaries. He knows exactly what this church is going to look like in a decade. He knows our influence and he's determined our growth. Here's a freeing reality that I take great courage in. Creating growth, creating growth is not a weight we have to carry as a church. It's not ours to carry. Our task is to seek and discern and surrender to what God is already doing, to enter into his pre-existing activity in Los Angeles and discern wisely and prayerfully where he is leading us and seek to walk in the way he's making as he gives the growth, as we become the church he desires us to be. But this is important. The fact that God is the one who gives growth, it's not a hall pass for laziness. It's not a hall pass for inactivity. We don't just kick our feet up And get a pina colada and say, okay, go God. No, seeing what God wants to make us should do the opposite. It should rouse in us faith to enter into what he's given us already. And by faith, seek to walk in obedience as we actively pursue what he wants to give us. Taking a hold of what God wants to give Story City in the season ahead. It's going to take all of our faith. It's going to take all of our courage. And here's what's interesting. What we actually see happen in the book of Joshua proves the point. 20 years later, Joshua is 90 years old when he gets this message from God and his commissioning. He's 110 years old by Joshua 13, 20 years into the conquest. And we read that Israel has far from completed the conquest of taking all the land God wants to give him 20 years later. They don't want more than God wants to give them. They are content with less than God wants to give them. They've become content. They've settled down. They've conquered a little bit of land and got comfortable. They've started worshiping the false gods of the people they were supposed to drive out. There's still masses of land they've never conquered because they got comfortable. Israel was content with only a portion of what God wanted to give them. And hear me, that is us too often. God would give us more than we would even ask for if we will follow him by faith. If we walk by faith with God in our sights, just one step at a time, trusting him where he wants to lead us, he's going to give us more than we would ask for. He's going to overflow our cup. He's going to call us into obedience when we want to sit still and be careful. He's going to put us out on mission. But he's gonna be the one conquering our enemies for us. He's gonna be the one giving us growth. He's gonna be the one securing our future and our present. It's all going to come from God. God is a good God who wants his church to grow, he wants his church to win if we will follow in the way he is making. God gives growth. So two jobs that are so important for us to recognize. God is the one who makes a way for us and God is the one who gives us growth. We don't have to bear that burden. Our burden is faith. Now I want to give two things that I do think we need to do. Our jobs that we see here in this text. First, our job is strength and courage. Strength and courage. Joshua 1, 5 and 6. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. God repeats the command to strengthen courage here in these nine verses three times. And it's important when God starts repeating things, he's trying to get our attention in the same way that, you know, if you're a parent, you understand this, right? When you start repeating yourself, you mean it. Uh, Honey, don't sit on your brother's head. Honey, don't sit on your brother's head. Get off your brother's head. Things I may have said recently. God wants Joshua to be strong and courageous. He's repeating himself. Strong and courageous, Joshua. Joshua, strong and courageous. Courage, strength, Joshua. And verse nine, the last time God says it, helps us see where God wants Joshua to draw that strength and courage from. Verse nine, have I not commanded you? Joshua, am I not the Lord Almighty? Am I not the one that holds all things? And have I not told you exactly where you're going, exactly what you're supposed to do? Am I not the one making your way? Am I not the one giving you growth, strength, and courage in me? Strength and courage, Joshua. Christian courage and strength come from knowing this simple reality that we're walking according to God's commands. That's where Christian strength and courage is rooted. If we're going in the direction he is leading us, we can walk with courage knowing that he is with us. And Because God is with Joshua, he says to him in verse 5, no one will be able to stand before you. No one. Because they can't stand before me and I'm with you. God repeats the command three times because he knows this. Even though Joshua in this moment has a clearly faith-building command delivered to him from the mouth of God, it's going to take extreme courage, extreme faith, extreme trust, extreme strength to believe and remember those promises when they've been said a long time ago and suddenly Israel is staring down enemies who are snarling at them wearing armor with the intent to kill. At that moment... (laughs) At that moment, the sight of their enemies is going to be a lot more real to them than the faith they had in God's promise. And they're going to need strength, and they're going to need courage, and God knows it, so he's repeating himself. Just like Israel, we have enemies. We have demonic forces, Satan who snarls in opposition to us, to the gospel, to our church, to the kingdom of God. We are a gospel outpost in enemy territory. That's what we are. We're a source of light in dark territory. The enemy doesn't like that we're here in Los Angeles. But just like Israel on their conquest, we have promises from God given through his word that should strengthen and propel and give us courage. And just like Joshua, we have clear instructions. God's told us exactly what to do. He's told us how to do it. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That signifies that we are on the attack. His gates aren't going to prevail. We're the ones taking ground. We aren't on the defensive. Jesus wants us on the attack. Matthew 28, a familiar verse, 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Who has all authority in heaven and earth? Not our enemies, our God. Go, therefore. There's our instructions. We go. And what do we do? We make disciples. It's what the church does. We go and we make disciples. And then we get this. And behold, I'm with you always till the end. Just like God says to Joshua, I'll never leave and forsake you. Jesus says to us, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I am convicted and I am convinced that God still loves this great city of LA. And this is a great city. I am convicted and convinced that even in 2021, his spirit and words still save sinners who are far from him. I am convicted and convinced that he still wants to do greater things through our church than we would even ask him for if we will follow him by faith, boldly and courageously. But most of all, I am convicted and convinced that allowing God to do this work through us is going to take everything we have. It's going to take all of our faith. It's going to take risky obedience. It's going to take us putting it all on the line at times. It's going to take strength and courage. But God can give it to us, and and where we'll land the plane is to see that we actually have a promise that Joshua didn't even have through the gospel, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So our job, our first job is strength and courage. Secondly, our job is being a people of the word. It's being a people of the word. It's what makes us distinct. It's what gives us our potency and power. Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do. Hear that word, notice it. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may have good success wherever you This book of the law shall not from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Repetitively, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, but what he does here is just as important. And it's kind of ironic, honestly. God says, boldness, courage, strength, strength, courage, go, 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 but caution. Careful. And here's what you need to be careful about. You need to walk according to my word. You got to be really careful about that. Church, it's only safe to be daring when we are walking according to God's word. It's a protection, it's a hedge of protection around us. I'd even take it a step farther. It's impossible to truly be courageous as a Christian is called to be courageous unless we are walking according to God's word. Unless we are walking in an absolute acceptance of an unmurmuring, unhesitating obedience and surrender to every word of God's word and instruction to us, we're not being truly courageous. Being a church marked by the word is gonna take courage in the next season. Just wanna give us three practical ways and then we'll land the plane. First, we will walk forward in the way God is making as we submit to the authority of his word. Say it again. We will walk forward in the way God is making as we submit to the authority of his word. Verse seven, do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may have, have good success. That could easily be translated from the Hebrew, that you may act wisely. God's word makes us wise. It helps us walk in accordance with what actually is. It helps us play the game according to the rules so we don't injure ourselves. So hear me. Where the word of God contradicts our desires or intuitions, where it says things that make us squirm and get uncomfortable or that our culture would push back against and say, you can't say that. It is so important that we don't try to bend the word of God to fit what makes us comfortable. It is so important that we let God's word speak clearly and apply it as it actually is to our church, to our lives, to our families. We must humble ourselves beneath the word of God, especially when it contradicts us. And hear me, if we don't do that, we become fools. We injure ourselves, but if we do it, we act wisely. We have good success. Secondly, we will walk forward in the way God is making as we proclaim the fullness of his word. The fullness of his word. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. We proclaim the word of God in the church every week from the stage, from the pulpit, at our dinner tables, to our kids, to our families. We write it on our hearts and we speak the word of God. We do it in the public square. We flood our social media, not with political memes, but with the true life-giving word of God that is able to heal, able to instruct, able to divide, able to inform, and able to save. We proclaim the word of God. And as God's word is forming us through repetitive proclamation, it will begin to work through us. It will do work we can't do. Thirdly, we will walk forward in the way God is making as we meditate on his word day and night. Verse eight, meditate on it day and night. (laughs) Just meditate on it. To obey God's word, we're gonna have to know it. We're gonna have to always be students of it. And the more we obey God's word, the more we will see God doing through our church. And it starts day and night. What are we filling our time with? What are we filling our minds with? What are we filling our homes with? God help us. God help me for more hours meditating on his word than watching Netflix. Let's just say it like it is in 2021. What would God do in our church if we could set our gaze on his word more and more and more? He would do awesome things. He would part rivers. He would propel mission through our church like we haven't seen yet. So, our job being a people of the word, our job strength and courage. And here's where we'll end this morning. When we actually look at the word of God and see all it has to say, we see that we have a promise for us today, for our church, that Joshua and the nation of Israel didn't have. You see, God said, obey me, walk according to my word, and I'll stay with you. But the whole story of the Old Testament is how they failed to do that, how they could never do that. And so the Bible fast forward, and thousands of years later, people who can't walk with God so that his presence can dwell with them as he desires it to he sends a substitute, he sends Jesus who absorbs the penalty for our wandering and dies the death we deserve and is cast out Even though he's the only person who truly deserved for God to lead him, to be with him, he is abandoned, he's cast out, so that we who deserve to be abandoned, we who deserve to be cast out, we who will fail at times and in many ways to live out the things proclaimed in this sermon today can know this, that God's steadfast love will never be removed upon us, that he will write his law upon our hearts and help us and empower us to walk his word out through Christ. This all holds together through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who never fails, who never failed, and yet was abandoned, so that we who fail all the time will never be abandoned. Like I said, God's been leading our church from day one, and it hasn't been because we've nailed this; it's been because of His grace. And so, at the heart of Christianity is an "not yet." It's it's an already-not-yet statement. We walk according to Your Word, God. We do our best. We want your best for us. We want your mission through us. But at the same time, God, when we fail, it's your grace that sustains. It's your grace that propels. It's your grace that saves. Church, I truly believe that God wants to do things through this church that would shock us today if we could hear him. I believe God bringing Pastor Jared here is a part of that process. I believe you have a role to play in this process. If you are here, you are. You are in the mission. We're all called together to trust God and to walk forward in his way. God, give us grace to do it through your son. Let's pray. Father, you are the one who makes a way for your people. You're the one who's made a way for Story City. Father, you are the one who gives growth to your church and sustains it. And God, you call us to strength and courage. You remind us repetitively, strength and courage, strength and courage, strength and courage. So give us strength and courage. And Father, make us a people of your word, cautious always about being accurate, precise, devoted to your word that guides and protects and works on our behalf. And Father, where we fail, we lean upon our substitute Jesus Christ for life, for hope, for sustaining care for the days ahead. To Jesus be the glory. In his name, amen.